0: Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Please don't make me do this, Becky.
1: Don't make me do this. Don't do it. Then don't do it. Then will you go see the doctor? Then I'm left with no choice. Until you do, as of this moment, Becky Lynch, you are suspended from WWE. When when it's time to begin, it's on the rewinder up with John Pollock and waiting. The 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewinder Rock for Monday night, downloaded Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewinder Rock. Monday night on u s a now on the John and Wei, take the mic. hello everybody welcome to another spectacular edition of rewind a raw I'm John Pollock joined as always by waiting or as my spam folder informed me today John and way Pollock how are you way
0: yeah I was a little offended by that why you did they take your last name uh why well, John a... John Wei and John Ting. I don't know. You'd have to ask them. I don't know. I don't know why
1: kind it of was a response addressed.
0: to this person. What's his name? I don't know.
1: I I didn't cover it on my uh on my post, so you can look it up. I can uh, say you you can you could go back and forth with them and see, hey, this is quite the grand assumption here. It's yeah. John and Wei Ting. Yeah, I need to know from Shiri
0: Benchar, which sounds like a totally legitimate name. Yeah, um, for people who don't follow uh, John's Instagram, Instagram.com dot slash I am John Pollock. He received a spam message today from this company that I shall not name because um I don't think you can trust them one bit, and, and it's addressed to John and Way Pollock, and I, I, that that offends me greatly. Oh, I mean, it's just a grand assumption. What's
1: wrong with my last name? You wouldn't take it?
0: No. Oh. It's fine, but I mean, I'm, I I never intended to give up my last name. I'd probably keep my own. I'm more in favor of people keeping their own names. I think it's weird.
1: I, I think we've kind of... Um, it's a strange tradition that I think is only done for that specific
0: reason. Or, like, two people who get married should just make a new name together. That's you a know? possibility, too. Yeah. Just combine them. They could do that.
1: Or they could just bad wrestling tag teams when they have to come together and they have to be, you know, show Miz or whatever. Yeah,
0: or the Boss and Hug
1: Connection. Exactly. Yeah the uh, the Pollock and Ting
0: connection. That's what it would say on our certificate. No, we would be the Boss and Hug Connection. I think. You're the hug. Am I the hug? Yeah. No, we're both we're both huggers. All right. Well, this
1: this ultimate thrill ride of a podcast, we have a lot to discuss on tonight's show. But first of all, more important than any news we have or raw, a happy new year, Mr. Ting.
0: Yeah. Happy Chinese New Year. I'm actually not certain of the specific day. Um, the Lunar New Year. Oh, it's today, Tuesday, February 5th. So, yes. Happy Chinese New Year.
1: This is the year of the which? The pig. The pig? Yeah. Oh. Like those pigs I just saw in the Fire festival documentary that had their own island. Um not quite. no. If we have time on the double shot, I might do a little detour and talk about the Fire Festival documentary because the Hulu since our last since our last chat, I've gotten to see the majority of the Hulu documentary as our comparative piece, and I'm fascinated by this this festival now. More so than I was before.
0: Sure. Okay. Yeah. A lot of people expressed some interest in hearing your thoughts. I'd like to hear what you thought of the of them in comparison. Sure.
1: I think both should be watched. I I have my preference of which one I enjoyed more, but I think that there, there's a lot to take from uh, both of them. So anyway, that's, that's your tease, hmm. folks. Uh, I wanted to start things off. We are going to run through our shows, but uh, for some people that maybe did not hear the Cafe Hangout, I want to talk about our live show that is now confirmed. For New York City on Sunday, April the 7th, Way and I are going to be presenting Post Wrestling live in New York from the Broadway Comedy Club on the Sunday of WrestleMania weekend. We're going to be doing a noon Eastern show with a Q&A followed by a meet and greet,
0: and tickets are available. Are they not, Way? Yes, they are. You can get them at postwrestling.com slash live, and they are $25 for the general public. But if you're a post-wrestling cafe patron, a supporter of our Patreon, they are $20. So $5 off the regular price, postwrestling.com slash live. The best value in family entertainment. Post-wrestling, live
1: in New York. Uh, The Broadway Comedy Club, it's located at 318 West 53rd Street. Uh, So it is very convenient. I know that uh, some people have inquired about uh, travel after our show and I think that there is lots and lots of time that you will have no problem getting to MetLife Stadium in time
0: for WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. It's a 15-minute walk from Port Authority bus terminal, so right after our meet and greet or even if you want to skip the meet and greet, you could just head right there to give yourself some ample ample time to get to New Jersey. Uh in fact, if you are curious, our friend Robert Brockie has actually compiled a New York City Travel and Transit Guide. He's a local Amazing. in New York, uh, and he's actually helping us produce this show. So he put together this giant PDF of uh, restaurants nearby, of uh, the closest subway stops, uh, where you can park if you happen to be doing the insane task of driving in Manhattan on a Sunday. Uh, uh, and of course, bus routes, routes as well. So download that PDF. It's all at postwrestling.com live. And when you said Robert Brocky, I know you meant Robert Pierce. Oh,
1: shit. I'm sorry. I, we love all our Roberts. There's so many great Roberts yeah. in the uh, in the post-wrestling family. We yeah. we want to thank them all. I'm yeah. sure Robert Brocky had plenty to do uh, just with things we're not even aware of. So thank you to both of you. Thank you for the direction. So go to that, uh, postwrestling.com slash live. Grab your tickets. Uh, this week on the site, we have uh, many shows coming your way. You're listening to Rewind to Raw. Tuesday, we'll be back with Rewind to SmackDown. And the double shot, I'm going to be chatting about uh, a little bit about the MLW Super Fight live special that they did on Saturday. I was going to chat about this documentary that New Japan World put up on Wrestle Kingdom 13, and I was assuming it would be subtitled, and I was correct, it was subtitled in Japanese.
0: Oh, that's
1: too bad. (laughs) I was like, oh, I was, looking I was really looking forward to this. It looked like, you know, kind of their kind of, it was very much their version of what we just reviewed on 24, uh, looking at WrestleMania kind mm. of the new Japan version of it. So yeah. I don't think I will be reviewing that one, but you are going to be chatting about a number of
0: items as well. Actually, I thought, I I mean, this is appropriate. I thought I was going to talk about total Bellas this week, but they were actually preempted this week. Um, I guess, dude, is oh the Su- Super Bowl. I guess, yeah. dude, the Super Bowl. Is there that much of a crossover between Total Bellas fans and Super Bowl fans? I, I guess. obviously, more than the Royal Rumble the last week. I would, I would say, like, why waste a brand
1: new episode going against the Super Bowl? I think that's a per- like no one's running against the Super Bowl.
0: Sure. So um, instead, I think uh, maybe we'll watch a bit of uh, Worlds Collide and we'll talk about that as well as as the latest edition of being the elite right ahead of uh, their uh, Double or Nothing rally coming up on Thursday. Yes. Uh, so we'll see.
1: Well, we'll we'll see what else we get to. I feel like there's all these <laughs> these ones we can get to, and I, I don't want to yeah. promise stuff. Actually, and then Wednesday, it's like, why didn't you talk about this? You said you would. But uh, mm-hmm. there's also a, a mini feature both of i both of us watched, which we may talk about, but we won't say what it is. So we're not promising anything. Okay. So there you go. That's our vague, cryptic advertisement for the double shot, which is always a fun show that comes out Wednesday morning uh, for our Patreon members. Wednesday, we've got the British Wrestling Experience with Benno and Martin Bushby. And Thursday, this will be a fun show. A live edition of the Cafe Hangout, 3 p.m. Eastern Time. And we're going to be joined by Brandon Howard from the WrestleNomics Podcast. And we'll find out what the state of the WrestleNomics Podcast is with Brandon. But Thursday is the day the WWE is putting out their year-end earnings report. And we're going to chat with Brandon about all the WWE financials. And he's also compiled this excellent... Um, study he's done on the wwe's popularity and it's up on fightful.com i linked to it in my update today and it's looking at all these different metrics from television to streaming and he's done an exhaustive uh, look at the wwe's uh, different metrics to gauge popularity so maybe we will get into that with him i'm very much looking forward to having brandon back on on thursday
0: absolutely you get to learn about what the late mcmahon paradox is
1: oh man i love it i can't wait Uh, So that's uh, Thursday live at 3 p.m. Eastern if you're a double-double Ice Cap or Espresso member. And then it also goes up on our YouTube channel on Fridays, youtube.com slash post-wrestling. And the week rounds out with an edition of Up Next on Thursday. Friday, we've got our latest MCU review tackling Iron Man 3 that I'm well ahead of the game. I have watched it. I'm all ready to chat Iron Man
0: 3. Did you see the uh, Avengers um, teaser during the Super Bowl?
1: You know what, I told, I had the TV on and, and saw it, and I had a question for you about that, because at the end, am I not mistaken, did it say April? Yeah,
0: it is April, I believe. I thought
1: it was May. Isn't it I always mean, May?
0: I uh, last year, it was supposed to be May the 4th, and then they pushed it ahead a week, so I'm assuming this oh. week is, is going to be the same, or this year is going to be the same.
1: I thought for some reason they had announced a date for, for May already. Um, and yeah, April, April
0: 26th that. in uh, the U.S., okay. Okay, April 26th.
1: I did see the trailer. Have oh, there been big reaction trailers?
0: I mean, honestly, this didn't give too much away. You know, the big big reveal, I guess, is, is the shield. You know the shield's coming back, everybody. Wow. At this point, though, like, there's so much anticipation from this film. They could show, like, a banana on the floor in in, like, the Avengers headquarters, and people would go nuts oh this. and they then ant man
1: comes and starts uh, eating away at the banana on the yeah. floor or
0: something yeah. they would like people would make like 30 minute videos dissecting this frame of banana. oh my god it to me it means banana split because the avengers are about to split wow robert downey jr's leaving oh go. my god <laughs> kind of like what we do oh. imagine that uh, t- level of investment in like a, a piece of art that people like feel the need to like dissect it that deeply Whereas, like you and I are about about to talk about a show that really does not require that much thought, deep thinking at all. Uh,
1: r- wrestling, when it, when it's done well, you can go very deep with it
0: I think. for sure. Uh, when it's done well, did you feel that way for anything on this show?
1: Um, when Road Dogg said the word shiznit in two thousand nineteen, I I knew my my life's work has been the right decision
0: yes hey i wanted to also um promote uh, a little bit up next in addition to having a brand new show this week they were very busy over the weekend not, oh my god how many shows did they pump out well last week they put out three shows obviously a, re- uh, a review of uh, the latest edition of nxt which went up on thursday but then those guys on saturday delivered a movie review of the in-betweeners movie um something that i had no idea even existed but is evidently a huge thing not uh not not just amongst brits but worldwide so they reviewed that and then of course halftime heat well a full review of it not only did they talk about their review is longer than halftime heat yeah not only did they talk about halftime heat they compared it to maroon 5 and uh, i
1: didn't watch any of it but i saw them this halftime show got panned mm -hmm. did you see any of it or no football you were out on sunday i did not watch maroon 5 i did watch halftime heat I did watch Halftime Heat as well. Maybe we will get into that at some point um, later on. Uh, Yes, final show to promote this week. uh, Late Saturday, early Sunday, we will have a UFC 234 post show as well up on the site. And Way and I are tentatively planning to do a bonus show at some point uh, late Thursday, early Friday after the All Elite Wrestling press conference in Las Vegas. Uh, The only reason I would say we wouldn't is if there's nothing coming out of it, but I'm pretty sure we'll be doing a show after Thursday.
0: Yeah. Sure. So, a
1: lot coming up this week. Postwrestling.com. Just live there. Bookmark it and come back every single day. Just refresh. Just keep refreshing every day. Postwrestlingcafe.com if you need more of the heroine that is John Pollock and waiting in the podcast world. Wow. I'm on a roll. What else to discuss, way? Uh, am I missing anything? Is there anything? We, uh, are there any listeners we have to thank? Are there any
0: giveaways we have to do? We have a giveaway anything? every single week, John, right and here on The floor Rewind is away. yours, way. Yeah. Just give stuff away. Well, before I do that, I've heard some people ha- say that they've been having issues uh, signing up for our Patreon because Patreon's Uh-oh. been having some processing uh, issues. Uh, I apologize on their behalf for all that stuff. It's kind of out of our control at the, at the moment, unfortunately, but... Message me privately if you're having any of those issues. I'll do my best to, to sort you out. Um, but I believe they said by Wednesday, most of those things, most of those processing payments should clear up. But if you're a member of our Patreon, the Post Wrestling Cafe, every Monday, every single week, we give out an item from the Post Wrestling store, which is our official merchandise store, store.postwrestling.com. John, I'm about to roll, spin the wheel. And would you like to make a deal? I would like to make a deal. Uh, are you scrolling right now?
1: I am scrolling. Okay, keep scrolling. Keep scrolling. Uh, go down 10 more slots One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. Go back one to nine. That's the winner. All righty.
0: Congratulations to Rick Fike. Rick, Rick Fike. Fike. It's either Rick Fike or Rick Fick, which would just be quite the amazing name. Rick Fick or Rick Fick Rick, Rick Fick. Congratulations, Rick Fick from Pittsburgh. Congratulations. You win. An item of your choice from the post wrestling store. store. Post-wrestling. You and your store. alias have, have walked away with a brand new shirt. Congrats. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it it's it, uh it's it's nice to get like an interesting name, Rick Fick, on these Because if it was just like um uh, way pollock not that interesting
1: <laughs> man you're just uh destroying my 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 good name no, on, on the no show much. i didn't know you had, it you had just doesn't match disdain for my name no what?
0: the two just don't match i would if be it very was
1: john proud. ting i would i would gladly gladly accept john ting that would be weird all I right i rick- would be
0: like the the nicer version of john wick wow rick fick send me a message <laughs> on twitter or whatever patreon and yes. claim your prize
1: And if he somehow does not continue subscribing, then we can call him Rick Fickle. (laughs) That's it. Uh, Will I last this entire show? We will find out. All right. Let's move on to some news. There's quite a bit of it. During Raw, if you were watching on Sportsnet 360, a promo ran with Scott Stanford announcing the first ever international superstar shakeup is going to take place Monday, April 15th, and Tuesday, April 16th, when Raw and SmackDown take place on back-to-back nights from the Bell Center in Montreal, Quebec.
0: Yeah, so, of course, this is the week after WrestleMania weekend. Yeah, how do you like the timing? Because we've talked about it before. I sometimes
1: feel it's too close to WrestleMania, that there's no breathing room before you shift over
0: all of the rosters. Or do you just feel that, you know, WrestleMania's over, it's the best time to do it. To me, much of it depends on what they plan on doing for that next pay-per-view. Uh, is it Backlash that they do? What's the next one? Whatever, whichever one it is that they do in uh, in early May or late April. The one yeah, well, they're maybe.
1: they're going to have their April pay-per-view, and they're also going to have that their next show in Saudi Arabia probably in early right. May
0: as well. Much of the problem, I thought, from last year was the fact that they were choosing to do like matches set with the current roster in the midst of like a brand split. So you knew like outcomes of a lot of these matches simply wouldn't matter. Uh, the build to a lot of those matches was awkward. I, I, if if you're going to plan on doing a bunch of rematches for the pay-per-view after WrestleMania, I would rather them do the brand split or the the draft. I mean, the shakeup afterwards. Um, Unless they don't plan on doing that pay per view or they plan on making all fresh matchups. I kinda like having, you know, WrestleMania is sort of like the end finish line and then afterwards you just completely refresh or shake things up. But yeah, it, it depends on the execution.
1: Yeah, I, I kinda like them doing it. You know, you could do it like in June going into the summer. You could do it after the summer, right before football comes back and set up your fall season. Um yeah, this one is a bit interesting in how SmackDown is load it up because this is the setup for when they go to Fox in October.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And do you think this is confirmation that the brand split will be continuing far into this new era? I mean, there,
1: there's no hint of anything else. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I take it to be that the the current plan is to keep the brand separate. Um, knowing that changes like that, they, they can change on a dime. Yeah. And, and who knows, like when we're five weeks into the Fox deal, if they're not happy, they're they're going to make changes. They're not going to just leave it status quo. That will be the major priority for the last
0: half of this year and going into 2020. Mhm. That's right. Yeah. The, the uh, calling it an international superstar shakeup. Does that mean anything different from a typical superstar shakeup?
1: No, I think that's only because it's in Montreal.
0: Yeah, I guess is like is that is that any hook adding the word international in front of it? <laughs> When you can add words to spice it up, you do it.
1: Okay. Be like the yeah. first overseas yeah. superstar shakeup when they do one in London. All right. Maybe they'll just draft the international stars. Um from where to where? Like only Shinsuke Nakamura and uh you know the the non US talent is available to be moved. That gets a little complicated, I guess. Yeah, that gets really complicated. Mm-hmm. So let, let's just say it's a it's a fun way of saying we're in Canada and we're going to do a shakeup. Sure. Why not? All right. Uh, Mike Johnson was the first one to report this, that the Hart Foundation is going to be going into the Hall of Fame this year. And I was able to get a confirmation on this as well. And Mike uh, reported that it would be the unit of Bret Hart The late Jim Neidhart and Jimmy Hart that will be going in. The Hall of Fame is on the Saturday night of WrestleMania weekend at the Barclays Center. No announcement by the WWE yet. And they typically, usually it's the last week of January that they announce the big name going in to coincide with tickets going on sale. But they have not even announced when tickets are going on sale yet for the Hall of Fame. So I imagine when tickets are on sale, the big headlining act is going to be announced. I don't even know if this is going to be the headlining act or not. Um, but yeah, your, your thoughts on the heart foundation way.
0: I'm assuming it wouldn't be a headlining act. Um, you know, I, I think it's depends who you're, who's available. Uh, um, like names out there like Batista, the undertaker. I suppose so. I, I suppose, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily feel like this is big enough to be a headlining act, you know? Um, mm-hmm. obviously I think Brett himself would be, but he's already gone in. Um, this to me feels more like a, a, a reason to honor the memory of jim neidhart than anything um brett's already in uh jimmy hart's already in uh anvil is going to be the guy who is you know going to be inducted for for the very first time and i think it's yeah, great who, who would have thought that if we had said okay rick
1: flair has been inducted twice who is going to be <laughs> the se- the second one to go in and brett okay you can understand it but the third one to be inducted twice will be jimmy hart <laughs> yeah i guess so I guess so. I mean, they're going to have to do these, uh, because I imagine, you know, you're going to have the NWO go in at some point. You're going to have DX go in at some point. Yeah. Like, there's just – they want to have all these names every year, and I think last year was a big lesson. Let's have less inductees. Like, let's let's put in five. Let's not have eight, and Uh it's going on for four and a half, five hours. That it's just – it's not the – priority it once was on Wrestlemania weekend with all those options so yeah uh, I think that the length is going to be a major turnoff to people because they can watch the whole thing and the Hall of Fame is not the kind of event that you have to be there to truly like you, you want to go to a live if Tanahashi and Okada are having a match there's an appeal to being in that arena live with that crowd mm-hmm. for speeches like it's enjoyable but I don't think you get anything more being in those seats versus watching it on the network.
0: Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to to check out attendance this year. Just just like in the years um, since I think the Hall of Fame began, there's just been so much more to do on that Saturday or or Friday when they've chosen to do these shows that um, depending on what type of fan you are, I would say maybe if you're more of a a classic wrestling fan or just primarily a WWE fan who's not so interested in ROH or New Japan offerings or any other independent offerings, this might be your jam. You know, this might be the, like hearing the speeches might be a lot more uh, interesting to you. But how many more of those fans are there compared to fans who are more interested in seeing live wrestling on a Saturday night? Uh, I'm assuming this year it might be less, especially if they're trying to fill a whole arena of, of fans like that. Mm. But also, it depends on the headlining act. If it's The Rock, I could see a lot of people, you know, be, being a lot more interested, especially your casual. Certainly. Certainly. Yeah, It's it's very much... Um, built on
1: yeah the headliner and what kind of interest that's going to attract. They also have announced WrestleMania Access will take place from Brooklyn Pure 12, and it's going to be spread out from Thursday. And this year, they're pushing it, and it'll include sessions on the Monday, the day after WrestleMania, which, I don't know. You go to WrestleMania, you wake up the next morning, let's go to Access. <sighs> I don't know. That's like, yeah. man, that's I- like you go on a rager, and the next morning, it's like, shots <laughs>
0: hey again though you know like it depends on the type of fan that you are i think like sometimes remember like even uh with all in they did starcast the day after and i thought it was relatively successful like remember a lot of those people who go to access are going to go there for the meet and greets they might not necessarily get a chance to go see their favorite star on any of the days prior but if they're still in town if having having bought, bought a hotel for the sunday night i could see like a family taking their kids to access the day after so tickets, I want you to explain
1: this to me. This is not a new phenomenon. Every single outlet does this. But tickets go on sale Friday at 10 a.m. But there's a presale Wednesday and Thursday where the, the password is .com that runs until Thursday at midnight. Mm-hmm. This is kind of like the road to new beginning, the same kind of philosophical question. But is it a real, really a presale when it's, it's advertised? Every single person knows when the presale is. So we've got to do yeah. the pre-sale before the actual sale.
0: These are all. It's open to everyone. Well, these are all. I mean, yeah, you're not getting any type of discount or anything, are you? You just you get the. Buyer. No, you're just. Uh, I just, mean, just, you know, these you are get all to just market your tickets before others. These are all just marketing ploys that make people feel like they're part of a an exclusive club, so that they can they have some type of advantage. Like I don't, as far as I know, like for access, you're not getting any type of better tickets. You know, it's all general admission, unless there's a chance of of it selling out. Which, well, there's three tiers. You can get the general admission,
1: VIP, and then there's premium VIP.
0: So, I mean, okay, I guess there's something to that. If you wanted to get one of those VIP tickets before everybody else, before they sell There's out. probably a limited amount that
1: they want people to grab the big tickets at the yeah, beginning. That
0: makes some kind of makes sense. Yeah, but it's open to everyone. It's like,
1: well, uh, anyway, whatever. But, but not everybody's watching. A, a for marketing
0: the code. debate. Not everybody's watching for the code. You have to be a real diehard to watch <laughs> yeah, the so. code.
1: Well, it's .com, everyone, in capital letters. Um, So over the weekend, uh, I reported some news about some talent that missed the house shows over the weekend. Uh, Seth Rollins is dealing with an issue at this point. I don't know specifically what it is, but he was kept off of Raw tonight, and as it was told to me, he wasn't going to be on live events for the time being, and he's expected that he'll be cleared within the month. So this doesn't have any effect on Wrestlemania it's just um, it's something that he's dealing with at this point and he will be on television but it looks like won't be cleared for physicality uh, during those uh, the, during the television over the next couple of weeks Sasha Banks it was hoped that she would have been cleared tonight uh, by the way you watched the match uh, that was done because she mm-hmm. did not get cleared on Monday um, and they they're of the belief uh, that she will be cleared in time for next week, and but you can't pinpoint, you can't accurately gauge uh, when someone is going to be cleared or not. So they are, I mean, clearly they went over, they're scheduled for Elimination Chamber, and they're hoping that next week she'll be fine, and they had to do the match that way tonight for that reason.
0: Elimination Chamber being two weeks away. Elimination Chamber is two weeks away. Yep. But I was told they're hopeful she'll be cleared in time for next week. Right. So I don't know what uh, it is, but like it seems like maybe perhaps, could it be that, you know, because of this stretch between the rumble and mania, um, could it be just them being extra cautious and getting letting a lot of these stars try to fix ongoing lingering issues that they have before like really kind of pushing the, the the WrestleMania bouts?
1: Yeah, I think I think overall across the board, regardless of the year or the time of the year. They're going to be cautious when it comes to injuries, even minor ones, which are what Sasha's dealing with, which w- w- what AJ had. Like AJ is expected to be fine for tomorrow, but again, that's an internal estimate, and they can't. It's it's not a hundred percent till the clearance is made. But it seems like just minor things that there's just been a rash of them at at the moment. And you know, if they're small things, you, you do want to be precautious, especially when it is your key people going into you know, your your busiest time of the year as well. Great job reporting, John. Why well, why well, thank you, Way. I got a nice message from you. So thank you. Um before we go on to Raw, did you did you want to talk at all about halftime heat? Did you have any uh quick thoughts on the presentation of it? I, I really liked it for I liked the idea. I thought the the atmosphere was kind of cool. It was very obvious that like these are these were not typical NXT fans. It was almost uh it was almost like a studio audience at a mm. at a Television show, yeah um live lively
0: consisting of like 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 sort of like a cameos from you know known characters in the universe, yeah,
1: yeah, so i I thought like I had fun watching it, I loved that it was twenty minutes in and out, and you got a match that was uh just high octane and non stop moves for sixteen and a half minutes.
0: I really like that aspect of it to me, I kind of saw it as like. Um, you know, like comic books, for instance, often they would do free comic book day where they just kind of have like a, uh, uh, um, I mean, sometimes it would be canon, but sometimes they won't be canon storylines just featuring these characters just to try to get people to, to, you know, eventually come back to the story at a later time to buy that comic book. And I, I thought that that's completely what the aim of all this was, uh, between the NXT marathon that preceded it and everything. This was just, um, a free version of NXT in order to get people who had maybe heard of NXT, but didn't exactly know what it was all about to sample the product so that they might come back. It wasn't kind of huge on, you know, what current storylines were. They did respect it, but there weren't, wasn't so much build towards like, you know uh, what's going on between Gargano and Ciampa or anything like that. It was just more like a sampling of the type of wrestling that you would see of the type of characters that you would see all in a a 20 minute span. I, I really enjoyed that. Some, I mean, the presentation was, um, I enjoyed it. I understand what they were going for. They wanted to make the performance center look as much like full sale as they could. And to that end, I thought they did a relatively good job. I was maybe a little bit disappointed because I I had hoped for maybe something different. What I had kind of envisioned that I thought would have been really cool was if they dressed down the set, kind of like what they typically do for like the Ultimate Fighter, where you kind of have a close set. I mean you know WWE is not really known to like kind of do that bare minimum type of minimalistic presentation um but I thought it would have been cool to just have like like sort of like that arena with like your your NXT roster and friends and family gathered around like what looks like a gym and seeing like getting like a private camera into like this you know uh, exhibition I thought would have been really cool but I you know if the, if the long term plan for them might be for them to continue to to do these shows out of the performance center i could understand them trying to like dress it up and making sure that it looks you know of a standard that their other shows are used to
1: i like your idea and like because it was so short maybe eliminating chairs so it's like everyone is just standing around it's kind of like your bar wrestling scene kind mm-hmm. kind of where it, it is what you're saying kind of dressed down but different enough that it's got more of a kind of underground vibe to it a bit of a something different mm-hmm. and i i like the idea of promoting this as one match and that when you have something just to present it a little different you could do something where you build it up as one match and that's the event um now it's not something where you can necessarily fill up the performance center with fans to come out for one match but if this were something where Two guys were going to have a big match uh, at a WWE house show if this was something where
0: it warrants they, they it. Could, they could fill it, John, especially like a, a thing that size with like as rabbit of a fan base. maybe. And I mean, you could do tapings of like more than one wa- match, right? And you can have like, you know, a meet and greet attached to it and people will show up for that. I like the idea of having
1: sending people to a destination on your WWE network with something built up. And it doesn't have to be your traditional wrestling card that you're sending everyone to. It's one match, and it feels important. And I think there's definitely things that could be taken from this. Uh, The streaming numbers, uh, at the end of the match, there were 71,000 watching live on YouTube, 10,000 on Facebook, 5,000 on Twitter, and obviously we don't get the numbers for the WWE Network, the website, and the app. But, um, you know, not, not gigantic numbers for this. But, I think a lot can be taken from from the concept, and I always love different ideas and trying things, throwing them against the wall, and, and I think that there is a lot you can dissect from this. What did you feel about the commentary specifically from Sean
0: Michaels? Well, to be quite honest, I was watching with a friend, so like I wasn't paying super close attention to it. I was just kind of more casually watching it. From what I could perceive, though, like it seemed like you know a teacher talking about his students, which I think is kind of cool. He was putting over everybody. Like
1: when Vic Joseph would make a comparison, uh, I think it was to Velveteen Dream, and Sean said, "Don't even compare me to him and limit where he can be." And like he just like wow. just zero ego, which I think is necessary to be in that role. And you know, not not by any means uh, a polished broadcaster. And he stated right off the top that he was. All he's done in his career, he was nervous out of his mind doing this, uh, this commentary wow. gig. But Vic Joseph, he is very good. Yeah, I'm a big fan of his.
0: Yeah, for a guy who's been working as much like as he is, I don't think he gets enough praise. Um, but yeah, he's he's been he's basically kind of their. I I feel like he does more shows than than Phillips at this point. Uh he does. Yeah. yeah. Um, for what it's worth, that YouTube video right now is sitting at 1.2 million views yeah that's the and that's the entire like six and a half hour video right with all the matches yes so uh, i mean i would assume a lot that includes a lot more international views um uh you know we're talking views too so like if you just scrub through the video and refresh it and whatnot that that also accounts for for a hit as well
1: yeah i was really curious to see you know they they push this as halftime how many people would go out of their way to tune into this uh live
0: um there and, was certainly, at least from my, my perspective, curiosity, you know, mm-hmm. um, more than there is for Maroon 5. Like, man, they've really <laughs> lucked out in having such they, a They bad, chose the best year. Yeah. Nice. If it was Beyonce, good luck.
1: All right, we move on over to Raw. Monday night from Portland, Oregon at the Moda Center. Stephanie McMahon was in the ring to start the show, and as she went to introduce Becky, Becky's music cuts off Stephanie, and out comes Becky, limping, selling the knee, and they recapped Ronda Rousey's promo on Becky from last week in edited form. This thing sounded excellent.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There were a few stumbles, um, but not too many. Like, you know, I thought the raw material, like even editing the clip last week for, for Rewind to Raw, like the raw material sounded decent. Sounded pretty, actually her best promo probably she's done. Might be my segment of the year so far. Yeah. Four weeks in.
1: Stephanie brings up Becky's knee injury and Becky just dismisses and says, it's fine. Stephanie says you've been refusing medical attention for eight days, and Stephanie remembers when Nia Jacks got into this ring with Becky and exploded your face. Yeah, have you ever exploded your face way?
0: Um, no, I was hit in the in my temple once from like Ooh. a backswing in a, a, like playing baseball. Oh, uh, I was like a catcher, and I was like standing up mid call as like they continued, and and my my temple just caught a back backswing. Thank goodness oh. it wasn't my eye. Did not explode, but uh, probably. You gave had me no a... face mask. No. Are you, are you oh. kidding me? No, we weren't like this was not formal at all. We were just oh. like we had a stick and a ball. Oh dear.
1: Well, Stephanie says that Becky is all heart, and she says she will do anything. But she cannot allow Becky to compete if she's not medically cleared by the staff. And Becky goes off on Stephanie saying, I'm the glitch in your plan. You didn't expect me to happen. And says that she's struggled her entire life for this and asks what Stephanie knows about struggling. You're a daddy's girl that never had to fight for anything and you're stopping me from fighting for everything. And nothing she or a stupid doctor can do anything about it. So Stephanie says, You are a liability. Unless you get cleared, your knee might be worse than you're letting on. This is one of the biggest matches ever. I'm not coming here with any tricks. This is all about your health, Becky. And Becky says, you're not taking my moment away from me. And she is threatened with a suspension by Becky, by Stephanie. And Becky says, she's not going to be responsible for her actions. If Stephanie carries through with that. And Stephanie announces, you are suspended until you are medically cleared. So Becky attacks her goes for the disarmor. referees run in, they, they're they knocked down, security is attacked, and then Stephanie kicks at Becky's knee to get free and leaves the ring. And that was our opening segment, and I've got to say, for people that were concerned that this was going to be Stephanie talking down to the
0: child, this was not that segment. I was one of those people that was certainly concerned at the beginning, um, but I think quickly you realized this was... Like, just the way it was exactly supposed to be. It was Becky coming out here defying, you know, uh, for better or worse, I think, um, the rules. Like, breaking the rules and not wanting to be taken out of her spot because of some injury. I thought overall it was great. Like, Stephanie played her role, like, pretty straight-laced. Um, it showcased kind of Becky's heart and stubbornness, you know, whether or not it's it's a positive or... um Quality. It's it. It's qual. It's positive in this sense because it shows just her her will to fight. Um, I think it's pretty smart actually to have her do this. There's like usually the period between the Rumble and Mania is filled with a lot of TV time, and often that's to the detriment of their own storytelling when they try to overwrite stories to fill that time. But this having Becky, you know, pl- toy with an injury and having kind of that that little sus- bit of suspense. Um, it's organic. It feels like believable that something like this could happen it's not bret hart getting hit by a car or anything like that and now they're even at a point where if you open it up to having charlotte step in to replace becky i i don't really hate it because the storytelling i think is organic and believable enough
1: yeah we also learned on monday night that becky cannot be in two places at once because she was advertised for both raw and smackdown on monday night with the smackdown house show
0: oh is she the, yes. So, despite
1: her not appearing on, on the weekend house shows? Well, today I looked, and both on the WWE site and on the the venues uh, site in Yakima, Washington, uh, they were still advertising Becky. Hmm, okay. So, she was advertised for both, but can't be in two places at once, we learned. So, after the break, Becky is being escorted out, and there is Ronda Rousey getting ready for her match, and she walks up, and she tells Becky that you have been testing the limits of my professionalism. But she understands that she has a pay-per-view to sell. And she asks Becky, how is this helping to sell our pay-per-view? By putting our main event in jeopardy. Don't show up for your weekly violin recital here. Moping around with your woe-is-me attitude. So that you can just lament about this injustice. And she just gives her this disgusted look. Goes to walk and then comes back. Looks at Becky's knee. and Says, ice and Advil
0: bitch which Ooh. needs to be a t-shirt ice and Advil, bitch yeah i mean i thought um listen to Rhonda's credit she didn't screw up she delivered it with a good deal of intensity i thought it was effective overall but i thought it was over scripted and did not sound like the way people talk it sounds like somebody sitting down writing words on a piece of paper looking at the th- thesaurus thinking about what the b- most perfect and smart sounding word is for this uh thing it did not sound like dialogue I totally get the the complaints about the 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 wordiness of her
1: of her dialogue, but I think her delivery is just so good that it's it's not any issue for me. I think she has had her stumbles along the way, but this was not one of them. So I, I think that it's just this is a woman that loves her thesaurus. <laughs> Do you think she's writing her own stuff? I I envision that she has a, a big hand in in her dialogue. Yeah. Maybe it's Travis Brown writing. Oh, I don't know about that. He, he, he was never quite the promo guy. Yeah. But to be honest, Rhonda did, Rhonda always had like the one liners that, I mean, her mom would like instill in her. So I'm sure she has a lot of those like, you know, quotes that you'd have on the wall. And you remember she used to always write down like these, these big philosophical and inspirational quotes on her water bottle in those countdown episodes for UFC, Mm-hmm. That I, I mean I am sure she just has uh, a book of these that she just is her go to.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know certainly the um like being angry is is always has always been a, a strength of hers, and she's able to kind of like do it on command now it seems. So her music hits, and she comes out,
1: and she's smiling, Rhonda, as she walks down th- to the ring, and she is set for a match with Liv Morgan. Morgan avoids her by going to the floor, and Sarah Logan tries to distract her. Morgan then is in the ring and does the, the Matrix, and Rousey just stops, nails her, as she's like leaned over and snaps on the armbar and taps out Liv Morgan in less than 90 seconds. Ronda gets onto the microphone, and she's pissed. She's yelling about the people booing her and asks if anyone wants to do something about it. So she challenges Sarah Logan and asks her, do you want to skin me like one of your cats? Rabbits, actually. Oh, rabbits. I'm sorry. Skinning cats would be really bad. Oh yeah, skinning. Yeah, skinning a rabbit though. I mean, maybe, maybe she had just watched Roger and Me. Was that a skinning rabbit? There's a scene thing? in uh, Roger and Me, the Michael yeah. Moore film, and it is, it is a haunting scene, as oh. I recall. Um. So yeah. Um. I I I like this. Uh, Rhonda just coming out destroying Liv Morgan, winning emphatically. I didn't need to see a 50-50 match here. I don't think Rhonda should be doing 50-50
0: matches right now, especially with Liv Morgan. So I Absolutely. thought this was very good. I agree. I mean in MMA this was, you know, how she made her name was to finishing her opponents in, you know, less than a minute. And initially when I when she began her wrestling career, I thought they were going to go this route. Have her even like at a big major pay-per-view just squash people very quickly with that armbar. I understand why they didn't do it because you in MMA it's one thing because it feels like a real rarity and a real accomplishment because you're fighting against a resisting opponent in pro wrestling you know you know it's fake so it's it's easy for people to feel like they're being cheated and but you know here they found a great solution for it they could do this and then have her fa- face somebody else afterwards and that's what we went to
1: the match with Sarah Logan there was a quick counter by Rousey they went through the commercial Rousey was going for a triangle, but uh, Logan just slammed her into the corner, broke free, and Ronda took her down, crucifixed the arm, delivering punches, and then to the arm bar, got the quick tap. Ruby Riot is with Morgan and Logan on the floor. She stares at Ronda, gets onto the apron, but then backs off and leaves. So Dasha interviews them in the back, and Ruby says she knows she can beat Ronda Rousey, but Morgan and Logan need her. They're hurt, and Rousey is going to have to wait. This is what friends do for one another. Something Ronda knows nothing about.
0: What's that supposed to mean? in that line? Like um, she, she, she basically was criticizing Ronda for not being a good friend.
1: Yeah. So, so Ronda Rousey is advertised for elimination chamber. So she's expected to have a match. I'm surprised they didn't set it up here because next week is the last episode before elimination chamber, which I guess they could announce it before that time. But I left this assuming it's going to be Ronda Rousey versus Ruby Riot. Though the friend line, I almost wonder if that's a red herring for people to believe that it's going to be the Riot Squad facing Ronda and two of her friends. Being Which feels like there's not enough time to adequately promote something like that.
0: Well, who are the other two friends?
1: Well, then it would have to be
0: any combination of Shayna, Jessamine, and Marina Shafir. Why? I think that would be odd to do two. Or sorry, to do three and not four unless like that's I, I don't way. think they should
1: be doing that. And maybe it was a line. We're just reading too much into yeah. It's just going to be Rhonda and Ruby riot at the
0: pay-per-view. It is the banana on the floor of this, uh, of this episode of raw, I suppose.
1: Unless she has other friends. Maybe, maybe she has other friends.
0: Yeah, I don't know, but you know, the whole full horse women thing is certainly something I feel like they're pushing very hard, whether or not it's, you know, themselves or whoever, but, uh, like through their um, social media stuff, um, through the kind of little subtle, you know, waves of four, uh, Ronda cut a great promo in her uh, backstage interview on a dot .com exclusive last week where um there was a lot of talk of that. So, it seems like it's something that at least is somewhat being hinted at, uh, but doesn't look like... I, I don't think it'll happen necessarily on the main roster or at, uh, anytime before Elimination Chamber or even... I don't even know if it'll happen until Mania. Until after Mania, I mean.
1: Would you... Would you look at the idea, because, you know, there's the obvious issue of, like, the timing is not really there to do this for Horace Women teaming up at the moment because of, like, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense for Becky and Charlotte to be on the same page, and Becky's off doing her own thing.
0: Yeah. That. You also have to establish Shayna and the other two on oh, the main roster. Oh, I know. It's, or, I, I think yeah. it's way too rushed. I think the only reason they would try it is
1: the concern that, well, what if we can never get to this? Mm-hmm. Not knowing what Ronda's future is going to be uh, beyond WrestleMania, I think and, and,
0: I don't think there's a need to rush for that because I think eventually, like even if R- Ronda, like you know, has babies and and is, I think eventually at some point she will come back to have a wrestling match. Like, but will
1: all will all eight of them be in a situation
0: like you just you don't know? Right, you don't know. You're right. Yeah, but is it better to rush it now? Maybe. I mean, maybe it they, is. They rush lots of things. Yeah, they could pull wonder. the match off. Like if they had to do it, you know, you you could you they could carry Jessamine and, and Marina. Fine. Well, and, and what I was getting at was,
1: if you just inter, you bring up Marina and Jessamine to face the Riot Squad, and the match that you go to at Fastlane is it's just a makeshift of Bailey, Sasha, and Charlotte, for instance, and Becky's yeah. not involved. It's three on three. And, and Shane is hmm. not involved. Becky's not involved.
0: You're saying, and Shane, yeah, be- Becky
1: would not be involved. And I guess Shayna wouldn't be right. involved either. Like, and I'm just throwing this at, at, at the wall, like mm-hmm. ways to get around. If you were determined to do this match, to keep Ronda busy before WrestleMania, and we've at
0: least got the hints on television from Sasha and Bailey, I guess they could do anything. I would find that to be a very interesting way to, to build up to their mania match. Um, quite unpre- unprecedented, I would say, to just like introduce new characters just like that. But I think there, uh, it's possible. Sure, well, I mean, and
1: and be- and, and Becky is not cleared in storyline that you could you could come up with ways that she's somehow involved in this somehow. Um, yeah. Anyway, but a three
0: horsewoman that. versus three horsewoman thing just doesn't like. That's not is. quite the t shirt you want to be selling. No. Yeah.
1: So then afterwards, uh, we got our Total Bellas promo. Nikki reconnecting with Artem. And Way's going to get us all
0: up to speed on Artem next week. Artem is from Dancing with the Stars. And these two had some great chemistry on that show. And now that she's single, we'll see. What is going to happen?
1: Bailey and Sasha are backstage. And Charlie, Charlie was on a roll tonight with her questions. She asked them... How are you two doing after your devastating title matches against Ronda Rousey uh, that would be considered failures? (laughs) And Sasha (laughs) is so pissed, she won't even answer. She's going to blast this woman in the face. So Bailey takes over. Bailey calmly explains to Charlie that that is not how you speak to two athletes. And then she says that Ronda was pushed to her limit. Bailey and Sasha are great on their own, but they're at their best when they are together. And it will be their honor to win the women's tag titles. And they're interrupted by Alicia Fox and Nikki Cross. And Nikki is saying, The Fox wanted to play. And no one else wanted to play. And the Fox embraced the chaos. And chaos isn't judgmental. Chaos is fair. And Alicia added, Don't cross the Fox. (laughs) Did you (laughs) know Alicia's last name just so happens to be Fox?
0: Yeah, Nikki Cross's last name happens to be Cross. Yeah, what? What an amazing coincidence! Well, so we got it. Yeah, uh, I mean a makeshift team, certainly a weird team. Um, I thought Nikki all, all Cross, this said. I th- I thought Fox and Cross. By the end of that match, there was something weird about
1: it that worked for me.
0: I mean, I suppose so. If you're going for weird, uh, I think Alicia Fox is. Definitely uh, got that down. You know, you can, if, as far as like makeshift teams go, you can kind of pair her with pretty much everybody and have it be somewhat interesting. Um, It worked with Jinder somewhat, her Nikki Cross. I wonder if they'll last more than this week. I'm assuming no.
1: Heavy Machinery, The Revival, The B Team, and the team of Grand Metalik and Lince Dorado had a fatal four-way match. We got an insert promo from Heavy Machinery who stated they are not stereotypical lunk meatheads. They are here to use their smiles and muscles to lift up
0: your spirits. What? (laughs) the hell is this? It sounds so much more stupid when you write it
1: down on paper and repeat it. We're going to use our smiles and muscles to lift up (laughs) your spirits. Who's your favorite tag team, Billy? (laughs) Heavy machinery. Why is that, son? Because they lift up my spirits.
0: (laughs) With their smiles and muscles. Oh, my God. This poor team.
1: So the winner of this team, uh, this match, will get a tag title shot. Uh, The endless number of tag title shots these teams get. Gable and Root are watching in the back. Knight came in with a belly to belly grounding Dash Wilder and then Otis came in to do his Otis offense with a spinning scoop slam and sent the B team over the floor. Heavy machinery cleared the the ring and they were smiling and using their muscles to do so. They did the bushwhacker dance. Then they ran into Dawson together and Otis tagged Dorado as Dorado dived to the floor. Otis is in. He sends uh, Dallas into the corner and hits the caterpillar for a big pop. Knight then suplexes uh, Curtis Axel. Knight then gets sent to the floor by Wilder. Dawson is in. There's a series of blind tags culminating in Bo Dallas being caught with the shatter machine as the Revival get the win.
0: I thought Lindsay Dorado looked really good here. Um, overall, I, I think they were trying to continue putting that spotlight on heavy machinery as sort of like the big project of the, of the division. I think they're doing a relatively decent job by giving them the appropriate amount of airtime. Um, but i i don't know how much of it is really working beyond that caterpillar that caterpillar is just like it's everybody likes it it's it's a very easy thing to get into everything else i i just kind of find them a little bit mediocre whatever they're doing with dozovic is uh dozovic dozovic i'm sorry he's um i think he's charismatic certainly but um i i think they're still trying to figure out like exactly what what their dynamic is supposed to be. I think this is it. <laughs> Smiles That's and it. muscles.
1: That's it. Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins were backstage. Not part of this match. And Hawkins is lamenting his losing streak, and he tells Zack, I'm toxic. <laughs> Why would you want to team with me? Zack says, Hey, I'm a loser too. Last week we walked out on Raw... And on the Chiron, they spelt my name wrong. They spelt his name Z A C H.
0: That alone, he doesn't make. He, he didn't even say that. He like he fucked up the fuck up. He said he fucked up the fuck up. He said they spelled it Z Z A C K H. Yeah, which <laughs> that's would have right. Been that's really, right. <laughs> which would have been really catastrophic. He literally
1: could not spell his name on live television.
0: Yeah.
1: So. The the funny part is, not that his name was spelt wrong, but that not a goddamn person noticed this last week that I'm aware of. Oh, I didn't notice. I I, I mean, I'm sure it's true. I I went back and checked. I tweeted it out on our account. Oh, so you can che- you you have video or at least photographic evidence. So, this actually happened to me once when i was doing a, a
0: news hit i think it probably happened to you today cuz like somebody was was like quoting your story about the health things and people spelled p o l l a c k
1: oh that that's to be expected i am just used to that by now but what i wasn't expected was one time turning on the fight network and there's my news update <laughs> and i learned something about myself candace devey like, oh, that's man. not my name at all
0: <laughs> hey i wasn't the one editing that day okay
1: no it, it was not you but i was just <laughs> that, that is
0: definitely not my name so anyway it's okay Zach. Uh, hey i actually like the story i think who's the bigger loser this is not about that it's about how they're going to work together to finally end that losing streak and you know it's to me it's a more likable more serious version of whatever they were doing with the b team several months back um the chase is what it's all about. You have something now with this guy and his 250 match losing streak that I think is going to culminate into a really great moment. The moment, I mean, those teases of them actually, you know, those near falls, I think, I mean, I'm saying that right now, but I think they, it has the potential to like really kind of attract the audience. Zack Ryder is a fan favorite. He He's like, um, like people just like him. And I think the idea here is very sound. I feel like this will probably culminate at WrestleMania. Maybe he wins the battle Royal. It could be that. Um, I could actually see them like maybe potentially ending the winning streak uh, at, at one of the other pay-per-views and then maybe going for the title afterwards at Mania. Kurt
1: Angle is walking towards the ring. He's, he's hugged by Mickey James, Apollo Crews in the back. And they're all wondering what is Kurt's big announcement going to be? So he comes out and Michael Cole notes that he's fallen on some hard times and he's fallen on such hard times that we've got the t-shirt and blazer combination. He says, he lists off the three eyes and then goes on to say that he has accomplished everything he ever wanted to from the European title all the way up to the hall of fame. He tore the house down at WrestleMania with Shawn Michaels. He soiled this ring with milk (laughs) And they cut back to the talent watching this serious speech, and right as they cut to them, <laughs> Angle mentions the third biggest accomplishment. Following that WrestleMania match with Shawn Michaels, the milk segment, he met the son he never knew he had. I thought there was a chance we were going to get a live shot of like these people just like smirking and laughing, not knowing they were on camera for that line. Oh, but that it did not great. happen. These
0: were professionals. Jason Jordan being laughing with them
1: i wonder how many people listen to this and even connect the dots that that was the storyline with jason jordan like has enough time passed that people have forgotten i don't think that much time has passed it's been less than a year
0: what if you had started watching wrestling in
1: the last year
0: this would be a very confusing line most of this show would probably be confusing for you i don't know what you would have thought of that double j segment if you just started (laughs) watching wrestling like this, here's Road Dog, this like fifty year old man coming out talking like uh, Snoop Dogg from the two year two thousand. What is somebody, what is a new beer supposed to think of that? Yeah, you'd probably be thinking
1: wrestling. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> he says he is now dealing with the three D's and not the Dudleys, doubt, defeat, and depression, and they have taken over especially after his losses to Drew McIntyre and Baron Corbin. He says that he had beaten them all in his career, but one opponent he can't defeat is father time. And he gets interrupted by Baron Corbin. And Corbin calls him a broken down man. So Angle threatens to break his ankle. Drew McIntyre comes on saying, you just can't move on, Kurt. You used to be a warrior, but now I see fear in your eyes. And you tapped out to your own ankle lock. You are humiliated. And he says that, Angle is just going to keep showing up week after week until someone does something drastic. So Drew McIntyre is going to murder him. And then Baron tells Portland to get their cameras and everyone goes ballistic here just at the name of their city being used by a heel. They were infuriated at this. All he was saying was just capture this moment and they're going to put down Kurt for good and Braun Strowman comes as backup. All four men fight. And we got the return of the office chair that was thrown by Braun, launched at Baron, and then he chased them away as Baron and Drew ran through the crowd and I thought this was going to be announced for Elimination Chamber. Nope, it's happening
0: in two hours. I was surprised too. I mean I think he needed could, a main event. Well it could it could probably still be a part of a elimination chamber with the with the way the finish went, but um Before knowing that they were going to do this uh, match tonight, I thought I enjoyed this. I think Angle did a good job setting the scene and making this feel like his last story. Uh, Whatever the outcome it was, I thought it it felt somewhat important because you knew this was the tail end of Kurt Angle's career. Or at least it gave you the impression. This was
1: Kurt's best delivery in the longest time. Mm -hmm. It was so obvious. This was finally a promo that he had emotion going into, that he had something he could sink his teeth into. And he wasn't a robot out there that was just painfully reciting two pages of dialogue that he spent the whole day memorizing.
0: Yeah, no comparison between this and some of like you know his earlier uh, outings as a GM or that Crown Jewel teleprompter promo.
1: That was the lowest of the low. Yeah. Then they recap
0: Brock Lesnar's attack on Seth Rollins.
1: And they just announced the match is on for WrestleMania. And that was it. They didn't even explain, like... Seth is out because of the F5s. He's like nothing. It was just a recap and that was that was the only uh mention of Seth on the show.
0: Yeah, yeah, wrote him off and or uh, from last week. They they made the announcement on the website last week, I believe.
1: Yeah, yeah, but like no expl I thought we'd at least get an explanation on the show oh, of yes. why he wasn't here. I mean, right. you have the easy, you know, he was unless they didn't want to it was kind of strange because they went from this to several segments later, Finn Balor stating, you know, he was beat up, but he's not going to stay home. And maybe they didn't want to uh, have that promo with this Seth Rollins example on the same show.
0: Could be, or maybe they just thought it was like uh, self-explanatory after the way the show ended last week.
1: Uh, they aired a video for Black History Month with uh, talent going to uh, Birmingham, Alabama, and this featured footage from the National Civil Rights
0: Museum. These are great. Like I, I know, I learned so much from these that I, I mean, I otherwise as a Canadian, uh, non-black Canadian I would otherwise never know. So I, I think these are awesome. Yeah, they always do a very good job with these. And then
1: Bailey came out for the match and is jumped by Alicia Fox and Nikki Cross, and it was notable that they attacked Bailey and then they just dragged Sasha from behind so they didn't do any any damage to Sasha she was just brought out and presumed beaten down and she kind of just lay there the whole time and they focused their attack on Bailey and yeah setting up the the injury to both women uh which they summoned the power of Tatsuya Naito and went, a- went ahead with the match
0: <laughs> well Bailey didn't need 10 minutes to recover like Naito so she
1: she did have a pulse, unlike Naito, who did flatline during the pre-match oh with Taiji. Yeah, uh, they aired the SmackDown promo. They've got uh, they only promoted the match with Daniel Bryan and Jeff Hardy, but they're also doing Randy Orton versus Mustafa Ali, and they are doing oh, match escapes me. But uh, there was a third one that's uh, also been announced for Tuesday: Nikki Cross and Alicia Fox versus Bailey and technically Sasha Banks. Sasha just sold on the floor then eventually got onto the apron but Bailey worked the entire match for the reasons we went over at the start of the show. She was able to fight back but constantly got cut off, got hit with a scissors kick from Alicia for a 2 count. They're stomping down Bailey, cross hit a bulldog and a cross body to the floor and then Bailey is in front of the post and Banks pulls her away as Nikki runs into the post and Bailey in the ring catches Fox with a roll up, pinning her at 543 and Bailey and Sasha Banks are added
0: to the Elimination Chamber. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought, you know, as a match, it, it was fine. Kind of contained your typical, like, maybe instances of a little sloppiness. Um, I thought overall Cross had some decent shine here. I found it a little bit awkward having, like, Sasha just take part in this celebration, even though she didn't really do a whole lot. I understand the predicament they were uh, under, but, uh, what like, could they not have done this just with Sasha laid out? Like, was it necessary for Sasha to just even have to come out?
1: Well, I guess they had to present it as a as a tag match. Doesn't this I, just make Sasha look bad? Well, I mean, she was beaten. She was beaten down. The idea was that she received the worst beating because you you didn't see what they did to her backstage. I understand. I mean, I mean their, their hands were tied here. They, they wanted to do this match with the idea that they're going to be okay to do the chamber match, so they've got to win. But we clearly they couldn't do anything physical with Sasha. So I I think given
0: the the extreme limitations they had, I I thought they pulled this off well. I feel like though Sasha would have been more protected had you just laid her out and she was out cold rather than have her like kind of drag herself out to the front to the to the ring apron here and just kind of standing there as and watching when she she could walk like or she could like she could she could do enough clearly like she anyway. So
1: the teams for the chamber match we've got Nia Jackson, Tamina, Mandy Rose, and Sonya Deville, who declared that they're in the Riot Squad, Sasha and Bailey, the Iconics, who also just declared they're in the match, and one other team. And I don't know who the final team is going to be, but I really hope it is Kyrie Sane and Io Shirai. Kyrie Sane was on the house shows this weekend for SmackDown, so
0: I believe there's like an advertisement somewhere. Telling, saying the, what the final team was. Um, oh, do you know what the team is? I believe it'll be Naomi and Carmella. Is what I heard. This is not
1: a match on paper that is jumping out at me, but maybe it shall surprise me. I, I think they
0: could have really used Sane and Shirai as the. Sixth I mean, team this. I understand, like maybe not wanting to call them up right away because, like, you're trying to establish so many other NXT call ups at this time. Yes, it would make for a better match. I think a certain demographic of, uh, would, would be really excited, but most of the, most of the people watching wouldn't know who they are.
1: Well, uh, we will find out. I guess they'll officially announce the final team on Tuesday. Show continued, and Apollo Crews is backstage, and he's asked about Kurt Angle, and he's glad that Angle is competing, and Charlie, he says, I'm glad Kurt is competing tonight. Charlie's response is, why <laughs> basically like this dude sucks. And Cruz got very defensive here. He said he's allowed to have some bad matches. So then Drake Maverick and Razar interrupted. And Drake said that Kurt has no chance of winning tonight. And P- Apollo Cruz called Drake uh, or Rezar a puppet and asked if essentially if Drake puts his hand up his ass, but was cut off. And this led nowhere. So we'll wait a week to get the Apollo Razor showdown.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This was a feud over uh, them insulting Kurt Angle, who Cruz is a huge fan of.
1: Yep. Quite the segment. No, not much to this. I'm sorry. Yeah, Yeah. sorry. I don't have much to that either. Jeff Jarrett came out. He was getting set for his first match on Raw. Do you want to guess since when? I saw your tweet. Damn it. September twenty seventh, nineteen ninety nine, teaming with Tom Pritchard against China and Deborah. Wow. Tom the, Pritchard. The entire match lasted about as long as it took Jarrett to walk down the ramp.
0: Yeah. What was uh Tom Pritchard doing at the time? What gimmick was he under? You know? He was he was
1: playing a scab referee, I believe, during that time when right. the, the referees went on strike, I think.
0: Interesting. Yes.
1: So it has been a long time. One thing I really appreciate the WWE has no problem lying about attendance figures and just way over the top. Like they will exaggerate 15,000 people on a WrestleMania attendance. But for Jeff Jarrett's first match on Raw, as I said, September 27th, 1999, they will not say 20 years. They every single time close to 20 years. And I just find it astounding. That is the line that they draw that we can't lie. It hasn't been fully 20 years yet. Even though uh, even me, I would give them the pass on that one if they said 20 years from 99 to 2019.
0: Well, um, I guess What, what honest people. Yeah, I guess they're they're banking on people not checking everything when it comes to WrestleMania seats. I don't know. Maybe it's just tradition that they lie about their attendance.
1: So Jared is out. Um, I did this all wrong. It was Road Dog who was out first. Yeah. Ro- yeah. Road Dog comes out in a Portland Trailblazers Blazer, jersey, does his intro, notes that his belly is bigger, his goatee is gray, and I, I don't know where he was going with this because then he just introduced Jeff Jarrett. He just wanted to point out, I'm fat and I'm old. And Jarrett then comes out, he does his own intro. This was this was full 1999 Jeff Jarrett, complete with the neon shades. Road Dog then calls upon the music as the two sing, and they sang for a year. This went very long. And finally, Elias stopped them. He says, the song is like the two of them. It hasn't aged well. And he asks, can Jeff even play the guitar? And Road Dogg, Shouldn't you be on SmackDown tanking the ratings? Not here ruining Raw? <laughs> so, so Baron is responsible for torpedoing Raw's numbers and Road Dog for sinking SmackDown's numbers. So we've established that business sucks right now. Is that is that my takeaway for the new fan that just started watching four months ago? Mm, I guess so. Sure. Elias said that Portland isn't even uh, good enough to have a football team, so he won't do a song here in Portland. Jarrett tells him, Don't sing it, bring it. Just clever. Jeff Jarrett, fifty one years old. I've got to say, for this guy in his in his trunks, look pretty good for a fifty one year old here.
0: I admit, yeah. Like seeing him in in the late nineties compared to now. I mean, yes, his his body is a little bit wider, he's less defined, but like at least like the man looks in shape. Sure. That's not an easy demand to ask a guy, hey, we want you in trunks next week at fifty one. I know.
1: Man, Cole mentions this was the best. This was the best reaction of the show. Cole mentions that Jarrett made his WWF television debut in 1993. Renee Young, like, did a spit take and was just shocked at this statistic. Why? Because apparently that makes Jeff Jarrett super old
0: to Renee Young. Has she not, like, I mean, Triple H? Like debuted not that not too far from that like Kane or or you know Taker, hardly guess, like no. the the oldest person to have debuted that that she's called. Well, I mean Renee Young oh, probably because he looks so young.
1: How old she was in nineteen ninety three and compared it to this guy who was starting his his WWF career at that time. Right. So Elias is in control. He landed a high knee and then he does the strut and a crotch chop to Road Dog. Cole brought up, well, Elias never played with Sawyer Brown, which was a concert segment they did with Jarrett back in uh, back over 20 years ago. Elias then knocks Road Dog off the apron to the floor, and Cole makes a reference to Road Dog as Old Yeller, which I wouldn't bring up if not for the fact that Corey Graves made the exact same comparison of Road Dog like 5 minutes earlier. So that tells me that was Vince McMahon's Fun nickname for Road Dog tonight, and we know Elias, what types of
0: books he reads: yeah. Old Yeller and mm-hmm. the Bible. And you know his his one of his favorite movies: Old Yeller. There's something about Mary. Oh, <laughs> okay.
1: It's honestly, it's like one of his favorite movies, apparently. Yeah. So then Road Dog gets back onto the apron. He's knocked down a second time, and then Elias hits the drift away. To pin Jeff Jarrett. And I would say that's probably where the Jeff Jarrett character uh, should be doing. He's yeah. drifting away. I think we've had our nostalgia run. And it felt like this was a good end to it.
0: They dragged this nostalgia pop for like three like long segments. This between. was a Royal Rumble pop extended yeah. to three different shows. I know. I'm good with that song for another 20 years after this. Um, very little heat for this match. I mean... I think when they announced it I was somewhat interested to like out of curiosity to see what a Jeff Jarrett at 51 years old would look like on a WWE Raw. Um I don't know if I I don't know if I really uh needed to see it. I I think you know he's in decent shape, but the match was boring. Maybe Elias has is is as much to blame for that as as Jarrett, but I struggled to stay awake through this match. This crowd didn't care. Um it kind of like relied on road dog afterwards to really liven up the, the atmosphere.
1: So afterwards road dog caught Elias's attention, gave him a crotch chop and Billy gun, Billy gun. That'll be our next one. Uh, Jarrett blasted the guitar over his back and road dog and Jarrett prevail over Elias. And as I said, I think that's, uh, that's it. Jeff Jarrett can assume his, his behind the scenes role. Yeah. They've reintroduced him. All right. Um, next we go to Natalia. Natalia is backstage, just handling her own business on her phone. Dana Brooke walks in and apologizes for last week and losing the match. She says that she was just pumping herself up by saying she was better than Natalia. And she's getting frustrated that Natalia is ignoring her. So she's going to go to the McMahon's and demand a match with Natalia next week to prove that she belongs here. She storms out. Natalia's wearing
0: earbuds, not just earbuds, John. These are AirPods, the Ooh. hottest selling item. AirPods, awesome. Yeah,
1: this was a uh, very clever. Was it? <laughs> I feel this joke has been done many, many times. No, it was fine. It was totally fine. Whatever. In three weeks time on February 25th, Ric Flair is turning 70 and he's going to have his
0: birthday party on raw in Atlanta. Wow. That'll be interesting. It will be. Yeah. Um. By that point, I wonder what Charlotte's status will be. I'm assuming she'll make an appearance, uh, whether or not she's involved in any type of major program. Um. Uh. I, I look forward to it. I think it'll I think cool. Hogan will be on that show. You think so?
1: I think they'll bring back a bunch of the legends for that show. Sure. They recap Becky's suspension, and this is when Corey Graves mentions that someone will have to step up in case the man cannot make it to WrestleMania. So kind of planting seeds there for something with Charlotte. Then Charlie interviewed Finn Balor. His ribs are all taped up, and Charlie says, You look like you're in a lot of pain. We know you've been cleared, but is this a wise choice? And Balor says the Irish are stubborn when they are wounded. Maybe that's something that's going around here, referencing Becky. He says his arm and ribs are hurt. He took the best punishment that Lesnar and Lashley had, but here he is standing. He cannot be pushed around or held down. He's going to take the fight to Lashley and eventually take his Intercontinental title. So he came out ready for the match. Leo Rush came out, and so did Bobby Lashley. And both men had microphones. Rush said that Valor looks like a mummy. And this isn't David versus Goliath. It's Mouse versus Mack
0: Truck. I would love to know what the plot in Vince McMahon's mind of that particular story is. I actually give advantage to the mouse in that type of setting. Like, imagine trying to chase down a mouse in a Mack Truck. That's impossible. Impossible. Meanwhile, the and mouse can, can climb in. like whenever. Not, you're Not pumped. to mention, a Mack Truck, it's so
1: devastating because of it hitting you head on going to obliterate you like that was always the joke who is going to say how hard a mac truck hits so what are you no saying has
0: anyway. what are you saying like okay what i'm saying though
1: advantage mouse that's what i'm saying is that a mac truck is not going to hit a mouse head on right it can roll the front, roll front over of the mac mouse. truck is not going to hit a mouse mouse is on the ground 100 percent, the mouse is going to win
0: yeah R- Lashley. Climb, climb into the exhaust pipes like you're done
1: yeah i mean who knows what Mouse is capable of Lashley then cuts a promo stating he is better than Brock Lesnar. He can beat him in a
0: wrestling match in the ring, an octagon, or in his sleep. so this is the second time he's mentioned Brock in his promo, and this time I mean driving it home even even harder than last week. So do you think they are setting that up for when? I don't know, I don't know. I mean Brock probably doesn't have any dates until mania, right? Not necessarily. I mean, he could be on that. Whatever it is, the way Lashley is talking it up, like being as cocky as he is, I'm imagining just a big squash for Brock.
1: Yep. Maybe, maybe he's got a date for, for March on that, on that show. possible.
0: But it would be unfortunate after like Lashley. And I mean, so many of us, when Lashley was first signed to the company thinking that, you know, that match with Brock is, is like for some people, a dream match. And if it just ends up being a squash match, that would be unfortunate. Balor needs to
1: fight people his own size, is what Lashley says. So instead of facing me, you're going to face Leo Rush tonight. And if you entertain me enough, I'll consider giving you a title match. And then Lashley attacks Balor in his injured ribs, runs him into the corner before the match starts, and we get Finn Balor versus Leo Rush. I just thought the visual of this, this really put a spotlight on Finn Balor against the guy that has been compared to a, a child... In so many promos, and he's barely that much smaller than Finn Balor. No, he was no Mack truck here. No, it was two mice. <laughs> yeah. So Rush has the advantage at the beginning, and the announcers have to put over Leo Rush as this great athlete on 205 Live, which is accurate, but not the role he plays on 205 Live, where this is like the cowardly manager that runs away.
0: Very different, yeah,
1: Balor knocks him to the floor, hit a sliding drop kick, Lashley then pulls Balor to the floor and gets ejected by the referee. Then Balor is in control, goes for the coup de gras he's stopped by Rush, who lands a top rope hurricane Rana, and is putting more pressure onto the ribs. Uh, Balor with the loosest sling blade of all time, then went for the reverse bloody Sunday, but the ribs are hurt, so he couldn't complete the maneuver and Rush did this spot where he bounced off the bottom rope seat first and back onto Balor for a stunner. And the camera operator was like so lost here trying to follow Leo Rush. Like Rush was, he was faster than the Mack truck.
0: Yeah, faster than the camera guy. And
1: yeah. So Rush missed a top rope splash, took the running drop kick, coup de grace, Finn Balor
0: wins, and then Lashley returned as Balor departed. Mm Mm-hmm. I thought it was a good little match. You know, I kind of, I thought I think Rush is great in ring, but I, under the circumstances, he just feels, like a match like this makes him feel very miscast as the heel manager. Um, They use the injury to have Finn go 50-50 with Leo Rush, but I don't know if by the end of this whole thing, Finn necessarily comes out looking stronger, even with the injury, to take so much time to beat. Bobby Lashley's undersized manager.
1: Yeah. I I think for all they did of Finn Balor beating John Cena and heating him up for Brock Lesnar, it's, you know, he, he was there to, to lose to Brock. And and I think they have kind of just fallen in love with this David versus Goliath theme with, with Finn Balor that he just takes all this punishment, but keeps coming back. And yeah, I guess so. I I think it's lessened. It's, it's, it's negatively affected him.
0: But if you put him on SmackDown, he's not any small, any smaller than Brian or AJ. Like he I, would just- I, I don't
1: think any of these kind of undersized stories really compute with people, not in a, a roster that you're right. is full of uh, Daniel Bryan's and Ray Mysterio's. And I mean, Seth Rollins is hardly like this, this towering figure. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not an issue for people. Like, yeah. yes, you have your Brock's and your Lashley's, but I don't think there's any hangup. Uh, like, yeah, you know, look at Brock's matches with Balor, with Styles, with Bryan. People were into all of those. And it's not that, like this, this, it, this impossible hurdle to get over a size discrepancy. Right. Paige came out. She was glad that the fans had not forgotten about her. as She got a very loud reaction and says, I've got a special movie coming out. I bet you'll find it
0: very interesting. And they ran the trailer. And that was it. No storyline, no angle, no nothing. Um, I think, like, most of us had maybe assumed that she would have a role on TV now, but maybe she's just too tied up with, like, media commitments. We'll see. I mean, she should be on TV
1: at least through when the movie comes out in theaters, which is later this month. Um, hmm. Yeah, we'll see if she gets a permanent role. Maybe she'll get her own interview segment, like Alexa Bliss,
0: as oh. your favorite segment returned, Way, God, I'm hoping, I'm, I'm sure it would be better than what this has been.
1: Alexa welcomes out her guest, E C three. He walks out and Alexa starts flirting with him and says that she's heard that he has a very large bank account and asks if he is going to raw or SmackDown, but before he can answer the deal is every time he goes to talk, he's cut off and he comes off like a total goof. He's stopped by Nia Jax and Tamina uh, before he can speak. Nia says nobody cares, which she was dead on. She calls this a nauseating blind date and puts over her accomplishment of competing in the Men's Royal Rumble and asking, what should she do next? Maybe I can fill in for Becky Lynch at WrestleMania. And then Nia is interrupted by Dean Ambrose, who comes out and had a way bigger response than usual.
0: Oh, yeah. Giving notice has done wonders for this man's appeal.
1: Well, now we know that
0: this is this might he is be, now
1: Batista 2010.
0: Yeah, it's that. It's also like you know, people knowing that hey, here's a guy who's not happy at his job. If those those stories are to be believed, and that this is you know his farewell tour, so uh, it, it it certainly and and the and the character reflects that like he's a babyface now. He broke character and said.
1: I don't want to be out here. And then he reverted back and then says, I've got something to say to you, Naya. I know you've got a crush on me. It's okay. You're not the first woman to have trouble figuring out how to deal with my raw sexual magnetism. (laughs) Instantly, this was maybe the best Dean Ambrose segment in years. He says that Naya has to stay away from him. And then he looks at EC3. He has no idea who this geek is. And goes to ask him. And the microphone gets knocked out of his hands. And then Ambrose starts giving him rapid fire questions. Asking him, who are you? Where are EC1 and EC2? Are you a Creed fan? You look like a Creed fan. This was my favorite promo from this man. He's about to speak. But then EC3 decks Ambrose. And he starts going towards the ring as Renee says she's gonna to have to work with Dean on his interviewing skills. Yeah. I really enjoyed Dean Ambrose here. I thought he was very entertaining.
0: I don't think I enjoyed it as much as you. Um I don't know. I I uh this was more like, you know, WWE champion Dean Ambrose on SmackDown to me. Um I'm no longer watching a guy
1: that's trying to ascend to a top spot. I'm watching a guy who's just going to have fun out there for the next couple of months, knowing that his destination is not here. And I think the weight of the world is off this guy's shoulders. And he just seemed to the like this was just a more loose character. And if he's just going to do I'm cooler now with like wacky shit with Dean Ambrose now because there's no expectation.
0: I could understand that. What do you think of the EC3 doing this mute gimmick? I think this sucks. I think he's just going nowhere. Yeah. I would say like... And this was not a great match as short as it was. Yeah. I mean, I I think all the NXT call-ups thus far haven't necessarily seen some great success. And I think EC3 is like almost supposed to be the top of that class because he's like... His promo video was the last one aired when they were airing all those videos. And seeing the reaction for this particular match really told me that whatever push that they've been giving him hasn't really been working. Who's come off the strongest? Lacey Evans? No, I would say maybe Nikki Cross.
1: Perhaps. Yeah. Ambrose and EC3 had a very quick match. Ambrose was in control for the beginning. Then EC3 escaped the chin lock and fired up with his offense, which I don't know. It's just, it's very mechanical. Um, mm-hmm. And then he caught him with a jackknife cover and won in 237. And like during his comeback and then throughout the post-match when he's on the floor, like he was really holding his left arm. Oh. He was holding it significantly and there was very limited mobility in this arm, it seemed. And maybe he was just selling, but he was favoring it a lot. So right. and it didn't really play into uh anything in the match either. So anyway, that was one observation. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just I, I'm not really into this EC three character. I think they have no idea what they're doing with him, and it very much contradicts like the concept of you keep all these characters as they were in nxt with the belief that well we've introduced them so there is some people that have seen them in nxt and yet this guy like he's like this weird mute now that Mm -hmm. like it's i don't know it's like we've taken the name and the image and the look but we're we're spinning our own idea of what this Mm -hmm. guy is now with an idea that's very out of left field for him and to me it is not working
0: I think the idea is that they they know that everybody, you know, who likes this guy might think his biggest strength is his ability to speak. So his introduction is them delaying that as long as they can before he speaks, because when he speaks, it'll be so amazing. Um, Good luck, I guess, because, you know, it certainly didn't result in much of a reaction here. And this was supposed to be a big, big win. Somebody beating Dean Ambrose, EC3 beating Dean Ambrose was supposed to be a big thing but the, the reaction here was just really nothing. I think you're also dealing with an audience now who knows what the story is. Ambrose is going to drop to everybody on his way out, and it just felt like people were maybe more sad that, that was. this was kind of confirmation that Dean Ambrose is going to go. Because like, it, throughout the, the whole rest of the next segment, you could hear this crowd chant for Ambrose. So I would say he was more so the focus here than EC3 was. Kurt Angle is with our
1: intrepid reporter, Charlie. Kurt, what would it mean to beat two wrestlers that have embarrassed you? And Kurt is just looking at her. (laughs) So Charlie reacts. You can't answer? Angle just ignores her question and says, I wasn't ready to compete tonight. I almost didn't bring my gear tonight. But I kissed my wife goodbye and I brought my singlet and boots. But I'm not in this fight alone. And Braun is there with him. And says that Braun has never met a porta potty, an ambulance, a limo, or a disrespectful superstar he didn't want to destroy. And Braun said he is honored to be teaming with Kurt Angle tonight.
0: Does Braun, Braun just going around wanting to destroy po- porta potties everywhere? I guess so. Yeah, he's never seen one he has not wanted to destroy. It's too bad about Charlie, cause like um like I mentioned that uh, web exclusive Ronda video that uh, I believe was uh, her being interviewed after the Rumble. And not only did Rhonda sound really good, but Charlie actually sounded really good too. So a lot of their web-exclusive content is seems, I, I think, a lot more authentic and probably questions that, you know, everybody's coming up with themselves rather than um, having somebody else write for them.
1: Mojo Raleigh is still in solitary confinement and he's staring into the mirror He went from college to the NFL to Wall Street to the WWE and has always been part of the team and says, that's really worked out for you. Well, what about being an individual? And he laughs at himself and he yells, forget the team. It's all about you. And
0: it ended and Michael Cole remarked, interesting. It was interesting. Um, I, I mean, I, listen, I continue to enjoy these. I think um, Mojo's strength is like, he seems to be like cutting these types of very intense promos. And here he kind of added like a bit more of a maniacal side into it. And I think like maybe re- repackaging Mojo Raleigh as some type of like deranged, like mankind type of character has some potential. He seems to have the acting ability to pull it off, but I think he needs to have a bit more of a sloppier, more unique look to match. And ultimately, of course, it depends on how good he is in ring.
1: Yeah, I I wonder how long they can do these promos for. I I don't think you can do them for too long, but I would really rather they refresh this guy after WrestleMania. I think this is such a tough time to give a guy a new push. And there's just so much going on and everyone's being slotted for their big programs. And this just feels like something that I would hold off on going to the next step with until after WrestleMania. But that that's a long
0: time to ask for like these promos to air. It is a long time. I, I'm assuming they'll culminate before WrestleMania. This is like way too. I, I would say like even two weeks now feels a, a little bit weird. Main event time. Drew McIntyre and Baron Corbin versus
1: Kurt Angle and Braun Strowman. Corbin took a German immediately and got pulled to the floor by Drew, who got taken out with a shoulder tackle from Braun, and then Kurt went to town on Baron with another German, but couldn't get the ankle lock, and then got headbutted from Drew on the floor. Go through the break. They have the heat on Angle for a lengthy period. Drew stops an angle slam to hit Angle with his own version, and then applied the ankle lock, and the crowd got really loud here, cheering for Angle to break out of it. He finally counters, ducks, and tags in Braun. They double-team. Braun then crashes to the floor and gets run into the post, and they take over yet again. But this time, uh, Braun returns, he comes into the ring, he goes for a double vertical suplex to Corbin and McIntyre, and he totally lost Corbin as he was lifting him. Angle gets tagged, Germans to both guys, Drew sent to the floor, angle slammed to Corbin, and then Drew breaks up the cover, taken out with another shoulder tackle, and Braun is warned that he cannot touch Baron Corbin Because he's not the legal man. And Braun attacks him anyway. And our disqualification ends at 12 minutes and 14 seconds. The heels continue to attack. Braun kills Baron on the floor. And then gets hit with a Claymore kick. So he's sent into the barricade. Allowing Corbin and Drew to double team Kurt. They bring the steps into the ring. And they're teasing a double choke slam. When Braun valiantly returns fighting off Drew and Corbin, ends up choke-slamming both of them onto the steps as Kurt and Braun stand
0: tall, as the show concludes. What kind of a stupid finish was this? You can't... You can't touch the illegal opponent? Yes. Does this not go against every tag team match ever, where you see plenty of interaction between legal and illegal I've partner? I've never I've never seen a 2 on 1 scenario in a tag match. I don't oh know what God. you're talking about. Wei. I thought this finish was so stupid. Um the match was okay. But the there's many was... ways you can get Braun disqualified.
1: Many violent ways yeah. you can get him disqualified, really. I don't know stupid. if this is the the option I would come up with.
0: Yeah, I'm not tagging. like I feel like in this match itself they already went against that rule. Did Corbin ever like touch um stroman on the apron like he attacked stroman on the apron and yet this particular instance is a dq i thought that's. i'm sucked. sure there were many
1: examples on this very show of that happening i mean we had bobby lashley uh i mean he got ejected i want to see them enforce this rule from now on okay well let let's be annoying and point it out now every single time that no this is not honored oh it's
0: gonna drive me nuts i i thought the finish was terrible um Uh, But, hey, it looks like they're building to a rematch. I don't know how this builds to a rematch. What do you need to see after this? They destroyed these guys. You you want to see a conclusive ending. You want to see Kurt Angle get one final win. I guess. Um,
1: You know, I I thought that there was much more uh, to this if you just did something to Kurt that really would force him to have to dig down deep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. you didn't get that. Instead, moment? Instead, it was like, okay, he's got he's got his muscle in Braun. Uh, what does no, he
1: have to overcome here?
0: No, you didn't really get that moment. And I I think for a going away a program with Angle, if if that is indeed what what's happening here, um, I understand like kind of you know giving the rub to Braun, but I just uh, I there's just a part of me that still really wants to see like Kurt Angle get the send off that like Ric Flair got that Shawn Michaels got. Because I know the guy can still work and the guy can still have those great matches, probably better than at least Ric Flair was, you know, when he did his retirement thing. So I don't know if this will be it. I don't even know if this will be his retirement per se, but I I wasn't too uh satisfied with this first night.
1: What if uh Kurt Angle gets his own seventieth uh birthday party on Raw when he when he is ready to turn the big seven oh which right. is in uh twenty years from now.
0: Well, I mean, I'm sure Jason Jordan will show up. <laughs> his son long lost up. son. Yeah. Man, this well, must have been quite the show for, like, um, like his actual son, Cody. Because, like, Angle was on the show. Like, Jarrett was on the show. So, they both wrestled. It was pretty cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah. I thought it so was this... pre- pretty mediocre Raw. Um, I thought Becky Ronda's stuff, that stuff was good. But I kind of felt... A little bit disappointed by almost everything else. Like, Jarrett Elias, I thought, received a pretty tepid reaction. Even EC3 versus Ambrose, considering, like, one man's debut and another man, like, losing to that debuting star. I thought that was somewhat weak. And I thought the, the main event was pretty weak, too.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, Elimination Chamber is uh, two weeks away. And, I don't know, the Raw side, It's 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 really there, there yeah. isn't a whole lot going into the show and I, I'm surprised they didn't set up more for the show tonight. Like they didn't add any matches. The only
0: progression we got for that pay-per-view was the addition of Bailey and Sasha Banks. That's why I'm guessing like you might have some involvement with Kurt Angle there. Um, yeah. And no, who knows what else? Yeah. I I would go um,
1: maybe a four out of 10 on this show.
0: Yeah. I, w- I would go like four and a half,
1: five. from the forum. We are on the pulse of where things are. All right, our first piece of feedback comes from Jalen in Pickering. Congrats, WWE, on an early contender for worst Raw of the year. It's a great sign when the best parts of your show are Charlie Caruso, Dean, One Foot Out the Door, Ambrose, and Angle talking about depression. This was a one out of 10 show in an arena that looked one third full. With Becky suspended, Seth injured, and Brock being Brock, this show is about to get dour. Ronda was horrible, all the women looked like they had extra clown makeup on, and anything that had fan interest is less interesting than it was a week ago. I can't wait for former world champion Dean Ambrose to get
0: pinned by Nia Jax at WrestleMania. That's still, I mean, that program is definitely continuing, right? Do you think it'll result in a match? Maybe it'll end in a romance. With Renee watching the whole thing unfold? I mean, they're teasing that. Yeah, that'd be awkward. Alright, we go to Andrew from Cape Breton who says, Tonight was another average episode of Raw. Recently I've been watching all the episodes of WWF Superstars from 92 and while some of the worst parts of that show should be ignored, like Papa Shango, are you kidding me? No way. Like Papa Shango is stuff you should, like, It's mandatory viewing. (coughs) Excuse me. The idea of two or three squash, short matches and putting out a variety of talent each week makes each show interesting. I was hoping they were going to do that with Ronda against Liv Morgan with a quick squash and then That's Ronda's night. It wasn't as bad this week with two quick matches, but I wonder if WWE's injury woes could simply be cured by not having guys work multiple times a night having crazy matches. My fear is a guy like Seth Rollins who does this on a regular basis will end up being really messed up in the future. We already know what happens to the guy who works the most matches each year and they have a big enough roster to pace their talent. Anyway, it was a 5 out of 10 show, but I have one question for discussion. How would you guys use talent? who you knew was leaving in the next few months. I understand jobbing a guy on the way out, but I wonder if building him up for the big loss before he leaves might be a better option. What would you guys do with Ambrose on the way out? I I, I
1: tend to agree with the the latter option. I think that if your idea is he's just going to lose to everyone, it means nothing for the ones that are going over him. I, I think they all just get... Cla- they they all just get... um. Throwing together and they don't mean anything. I think that building it up to one big epic loss is what you want to do. Dean also is not at the level either where he is, you know, like comparing, like if Seth Rollins were a guy leaving, like that would be a really, really big deal uh, to lose him. And not to say Dean is not, but I don't think people view him at the level of a Seth Rollins to a, a loss meaning a whole lot. I mean, EC3 to me is not one iota moreover after beating Dean Ambrose with a a fluke win. And I'm sure they're going to do that match many more times over the next couple of weeks. So I don't think it even is necessarily indicative here. Um, You're also talking about a fan base that I think values wins and losses less than ever before. So I, I don't even know if there's necessarily a right or wrong way to handle Ambrose on the way out, given where his character was before this
0: announcement. And even where it is now. I think if I knew that Dean Ambrose was on his way to work for a competitor of mine, I would probably just diminish his role on the show. Um, you know, maybe have uh have him lose to some of your big stars, but only like a few of them and and ma- like you said make them feel important and make sure that they're the guys that you are going to push like in a big way in the future. Somebody like a Finn Balor, I think would greatly benefit from a strong win over a somewhat protected Dean Ambrose. And then you just, like, let the the guy off the show, like, have him do a dark match or, like, house shows. But I think diminishing his TV time is fine. Like, it's going to be sad if they're just, like, doing this to, like, diminish his on-screen value because this audience knows what's up. Like, it's not going to diminish him one bit. Well, and also, like, you look at the house show lineups this
1: past weekend, and if you're looking at the next four weeks where Seth isn't on the house shows, Brock isn't doing house shows. You do need to keep Dean at a certain level because he's headlining these these house shows. Right. So I think you d- you can't just completely diminish this guy to a point that it's like he needs to be at a certain level I believe as one of your workhorses on the on the Raw brand.
0: Mhm, yeah. Yeah, but uh, But he might have to lose
1: to Kurt Hawkins is what you're saying.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, I just know that that's their mentality. At least it was, like, back, you know, in the day. Like, remember, like, Jeff Jarrett on his way out. Sure. Which we'll probably see. But that was one big loss at the end to to
1: China that they tried to uh, maximize. And it was a very profitable day for Jeff Jarrett.
0: I guess so. Your turn.
1: Jesse from The Six. How dare that Stephanie McMahon demand that her wrestler see a doctor? She grew up rich. What does she know about a torn meniscus? How can
0: she do this to poor Bucky Lunch? What a heel. (laughs) I'm glad she was assaulted. By the way, um, I wanted to update people because uh, we advertised um our rumble contest, where um the winner would not only win some stuff from the uh, post wrestling store, but we promised the winner a Bucky lunch. So I contacted um this the winner from Germany, and I asked him if he has any favorite restaurants, and he says, "Nope, there's <laughs> really not a place, not much options here in Germany," so. Um, I ended up giving him like another shirt.
1: What? There's nowhere to eat
0: where he lives. I guess not places where I could get like gift certificates or like pay for the meal like like that way. So the buck we fly. Could we fly him over here? No, I can't. The Bucky lunch was a bust. Everybody. Damn. Well, that's the Bucky lunch. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, One day we'll. One day we will open up a restaurant. Yeah, that's what it will be called. Tim from Alabama, man, is it just me or is WWE just an autopilot until WrestleMania on autopilot until WrestleMania? This show was lackluster at best. You basically are trying to recreate the chemistry of Austin Vince with Becky, Stephanie, which no one wants. You keep telling the fans that you're going to make tag team wrestling important this year, but you keep having the revival getting raw tag team championship opportunities. Well, to be fair, like, I don't know who else they have to choose that would satisfy this audience. Like if it was any of those other teams, I think you would hear more outcry. Razar and Apollo Crews together. Oh man, Apollo you... of pain. Mm. You might as well just put the titles on them now. You're basically telling the fans that with the way you're booking Bailey and Sasha, that one of them is is going to turn on the other almost after a year of there were enemies then were friends storyline. And who knows what they're doing with Dean Ambrose now. My guess is they're going to just job him out now until he leaves after, after Mania. And lastly, you have Paige come out just a plugger movie that I'm honestly interested in seeing. But come on, WWE. You know damn well you can use her better. Hell, why not pair her with someone as their manager? She's great on the mic and all. And we all know you have countless people in the back who could use a manager. Just take your pick. I'm giving this episode two Paige movie promos out of ten. I like that that was like a script that was like a really angry like Ronda Rousey promo type of script
1: well thought out uh, no violin lessons here uh, I like this one because he bookended it with his name and location Jay from Colorado dear WWE let's stop sexualizing Alexa Bliss please thank you Jay from Colorado yeah, I mean it's
0: definitely a more noticeable thing you know that oh they tonight I
1: mean that that line was just
0: very uh very obvious yeah I mean, when, when she was injured, I think I could understand them like wanting, you know, more wrinkles to her character as maybe out of, out of character as, as they seemed. Now that she's cleared to wrestle, I just, I don't know if, if this is even necessary now. Like she's a performer who, who I think is beyond that type of role, but maybe they, I don't know, maybe they got something else. MJ, well, looks like I was spot on with the detour. That will be the road to WrestleMania. Becky and Rousey are hot as hell and have a legitimate organic claim to the main event. And what does WWE do? I cringe at the thought of how far this will go. If they really tease her out of the match past February, wrestling isn't bad when it's predictable. It's just really bad when the worst ideas are the most predictable ones.
1: I I didn't have any issue tonight with the, the Becky stuff with Stephanie. I mean, you've got two months to get to where you're going. Um... Yeah, I, I didn't really have any issue with it. I thought Becky came off really well on this show. I thought Rhonda came off great on this show. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the the first half hour of the show, I didn't really have much issue
0: with. I think it was the strongest of the entire show. He says, I wish Becky would have said to Stephanie, go ahead and suspend me. There are plenty of places to main event these days. Is anyone in the f- entire universe clamoring for Jeff Jarrett? Over under two people not in his family ever saying his, in the last 365 days, that I want to see Double J in a match on Raw. Well, probably. I mean, he's got more than two people in his family. Oh, not in his family. Um, hmm.
1: Yeah, that's tough. I don't know the exact number, but I, I think we all are in agreement. They they got what they did out of yeah. this cameo. Yeah. Uh, Your next turn. up, we have Kid Cash. I don't know what the show is anymore. It is comprised of bad drama, bad comedy, laughable dialogue and mediocre action. There's little to no plot advancement or character growth each week and I'm constantly questioning during the show what I'm doing with my life watching this crap. We shouldn't get to that level. I get that Vince controls the booking, but does he have to say how the wrestlers work matches? The matches on NXT are 10 times better and much more entertaining.
0: God, they really are. Like I mean if you're somebody who maybe like dipped into halftime heat how can there be any comparison between that style of match and what you typically see on an edition of Raw?
1: Yeah, but I mean, your your big pay per view matches—if you're comparing those to to takeover matches—I mean, yes, takeover has per capita the more the the better matches, but it's not to say that you know your your high end WWE matches are not very strong as well. But it's wasn't as good as that. Well, you know what they're. Like that, that halftime heat match, it's like that, that match like broke all of their their rules, of yeah. what they believe in matches too. like they just threw the book out mm-hmm. and they went out and it was like this non-canon match to just go nuts for 16 and a half minutes in front of an audience that you didn't have to win over. They were they were there as pretty much extras on a, on a movie
0: set and
1: Well you had to win over the
0: audience, which was I, I, and, and maybe a casual audience, which I think is a, an even tougher task. Well,
1: I and I don't know what they're they were anticipating audience wise. Like, see, seeing those streaming numbers, and if all we're adding are people who are on the WWE network that are subscribed to that service, like these were hardcore fans that were tuning in for this.
0: Well, what about the post, like the
1: non-live numbers? I mean, even even so, like a a million viewers worldwide. I mean, put that into perspective. Like, we're not talking a crazy number. Seems like it's a lot to me, but. Two and um, a half million people watched Raw tonight, just in the U.S. Right. So we but had a million worldwide that were interested in watching this this match. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, I, it's, I'm it's, saying it's not it's not as much as that, but it's also not insignificant. No, no, it's it's not insignificant either. But um, I'm, just yeah, saying, just, I'm just I just I don't look at I don't look at that six man as kind of indicative. Like you're going to get that every week on Raw. Like they're just that's not going to happen every week on it, NXT either.
0: Yeah. Okay. Sure. My turn. Uh, Yes. We go to Brandon from Asha who says this was a garbage show, but I have to disagree with the people who dislike the change in Alexa's character. I don't think it's too drastic and it's been very low key stuff. She's done so far. This might be the women's revolution, but that doesn't mean every woman has to be shown as some kind of top quality athlete. I think there's definitely a place for what Alexa and Mandy are doing right now. Just don't go back to put, pudding matches, or gravy boat matches. I thought Ambrose was actually pretty funny tonight, and I don't usually think that about his lame promos. At least if he was leaving the company, to me, I haven't seen him throw in the towel yet. I thought he was really fun tonight.
1: I thought he was totally into it, and the reports I got was the house shows. He he was great this weekend. Like, there's... I, I look at that guy. That guy's a complete pro, and I, I don't think when you're at this level, you're not going to see guys in those positions... Uh, dogging it at all so
0: i wouldn't i wouldn't expect that at all from the guy yeah he was i don't think he'd he'd be on tv
1: no all right so that is going to wrap up the show a lengthy one here with rewinder ross i want to thank everyone for tuning in way thank you for joining me for the last two hours oh my pleasure i had fun it's been a lot of fun we're going to do this again tomorrow night after smackdown That missing match I missed earlier is Shinsuke Nakamura and Rusev against Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. So we have that as well uh, to check out on SmackDown Tuesday night
0: from Everett, Washington. Yeah. Did you catch the uh, Hideo Itami 205 Life? No. Oh, this was like uh, Jack Gallagher's like three-minute, two-minute type of uh, segment that he does, like just a video blog. And uh, this one's getting shared around a lot, but it's Hideo Tatami basically kind of talking about, like, um, uh, I guess his his run on the main roster and in WWE in general. And it was all filmed on his last day. And it's got some, like, really nice moments of, like, Nakamura and Asuka, like, greeting him after the match. It's all very short, three minutes, but um, well worth a watch.
1: Oh, that's, that's really cool. All right, everybody. Well, thank you for tuning in. Of course, you can go check out postwrestling.com postwrestlingcafe.com and way and I will be back on Tuesday.